Welcome to No Compromise, where faith and reason fuse in conversation. Jenny and I continue with our conversation about C.S. Lewis's The Silver Chair. You may well believe that I know Narnia, for I am Rillian, Prince of Narnia, and Caspian the Great King is my father. Okay, so we come to the point where we find out this is the lost prince. They found him. Right. Mm -hmm. And they did so by exercising faith in what Aslan told them to do. And it's interesting Mm -hmm. that no matter how badly they screwed up in the process, Mm -hmm. they were led to success, and ultimately it came through faith. Exactly. Believing what God told them to do. And it's also interesting that both sides of the decision is bondage. Yes. You know? Right. So really, and and, and that's important to recognize because Rillian was under bondage to the queen, although he felt himself free. Free. Mm -hmm. And that was my case too, as an atheist. And I remember when I turned from Christianity, feeling that immense sense of freedom and saying to myself, ah, now I'm free from all those religious bond, that religious bondage Bondage. that I was under. Mm -hmm. But the problem is you don't get to choose whether or not you're in bondage. (laughs) Right. You just choose whom you're in bondage to. Whom you will serve. Right. And that's said in Joshua, right? Choose this day whom you will serve. Mm -hmm. As for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. And I said that in the Christian Atheist, too. Yes, you did. Mm -hmm. And we say that each time we close the Christian Atheist. Exactly. I choose Christ's side. Exactly. So I choose to be in bondage to the Lord. Right. Okay, so let's move on to the next chapter. But after these revelations that we find out the mysterious knight is Prince Rillian. Right. And there's the introductions, and they then they decide they're going to escape from the right. underworld. And at this point, chapter 12, the witch appears. Right. And she, this, this is the unraveling of the whole story. Right. And like in The Horse and His Boy, once you've reached this point, everything else is just yeah. the unwinding of the story. Exactly. The meaning of the whole story. She is not happy. <laughs> and she wants to bring everything back under her control. Two earthmen entered, but instead of advancing into the room, they placed themselves one on each side of the door and bowed deeply. They were followed immediately by the last person whom anyone had expected or wished to see, the Lady of the Green Kirtle, the Queen of Underland. She stood dead still in the doorway, and they could see her eyes moving as she took in the whole situation. The three strangers, the silver chair destroyed, and the prince free with his sword in his hand. It's like when a mother comes in the room and sees the mess (laughs) that the children have made. (laughs) But in this case, it's a very evil mother. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) She turned very white. Which reminds us of the white witch from The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Yep. Queen Jadis, Mm -hmm. the white witch. For a witch, anger anger rules everything. Right. And that's sort of that negative feminine. The, the idea of the of the woman who controls everything through her anger. Right. And women always set the emotional tone of a household. Mm-hmm. That's um, right. And if it's an angry woman, it's going to be a very angry household or a household in which things are not, they may be under control, but they're not happy and they're not right. good. Um, and now she changes. 
from her anger, just like when the White Witch saw Edmund in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Originally, it was very hostile, but then, then turned sweet right. <laughs> in order to manipulate. Right, exactly. Jill thought it was the sort of whiteness that comes over some people's faces, not when they are frightened, but when they are angry. <laughs> For a moment, the witch fixed her eyes on the prince, and there was murder in them. <laughs> then she seemed to change her mind. Leave us, she said to the two earthmen, and let none disturb us till I call on pain of death. How now, my lord prince, she said, has your nightly fit not yet come upon you, or is it over so soon? Why stand you here unbound? Who are these aliens? And is it they who have destroyed the chair, which was your only safety? It's interesting how she asks questions. Because she knew who they were. She right. had met them before she knew she tried to send them to their death. But it's interesting because what does Satan do when he comes to Eve? Oh, yes. He asks her a question. What does Satan do when he comes before God about Job? Asks a question. He asks a question. What does he do to Jesus? Right. He says, if you're the son of God, I mean, basically it's a question. I, you know, I thought you were the son of God. You could turn these into to bread. Or and it's the same doesn't, tactic. Doesn't he, doesn't he promise to keep have his angels keep charge of you. But it seems like every time we see Satan in the Bible, he's the first thing he does is ask questions. Yes. And why is that? Because mm -hmm. questions force us to think about things right. and take us away from the evident. Right. What is what is the case? But <laughs> thinking about that, that Satan actually questions God. Yes. Does his technique, tries his technique on God what? even. That's what atheists do, too, when you start to talk with them mm -hmm. about Christianity, about right. faith, about belief. Right. They start throwing these questions. And that's all she does in this chapter. that's all she does. Mm -hmm. And when you throw question after question after mm -hmm. question, and you refuse to settle anywhere, right. you're not going to get anywhere. Exactly. Prince Rillian shivered as she spoke to him. And no wonder. It is not easy to throw off in half an hour an enchantment which has made one a slave for 10 years, or an atheism mm -hmm. that has made you a slave for 25. Exactly. Then speaking with a great effort, he said, Madam, there will be no more need of that chair. And you who have told me a hundred times how deeply you pitied me for the sorceries by which I was bound will doubtless hear with joy that they are now ended forever. There was, it seems, some small error in your ladyship's way of treating them. These, my true friends, have delivered me. I am now in my right mind. Right? He actually says to her, Therefore, madam, it is my purpose, as it is also my duty to depart suddenly from your highness's court into my own country. Please that you grant me and my friends safe conduct and a guide through your dark realm. Now the witch said nothing at all, <laughs> but moved gently across the room, always keeping her face and eyes very steadily towards the prince. Okay, and she's not going to stand for this. So she's going to start putting them into a drowsy, sleepy state in order to start her questioning. When she had come to a little ark set in the wall not far from the fireplace, she opened it and took out first a handful of a green powder. This she threw on the fire. It did not blaze much, but a very sweet and drowsy smell came from it. And all through the conversation which followed, that smell grew stronger and filled the room and made it harder to think. 
Secondly, she took out a musical instrument rather like a mandolin. She began to play it with her fingers, a steady, monotonous thrumming that you didn't notice after a few minutes. But the less you noticed it, the more it got into your brain and your blood. This also made it hard to think. After she had thrummed for a time and the sweet smell was now strong, she began speaking in a sweet, quiet voice. Mm -hmm. And what did we say about the nature of enchantment? It always wears a beautiful aspect. Oh, yeah. It is always pleasing in mm -hmm. some way. Mm -hmm. And my atheism was pleasing to me because it allowed me to free myself from what I thought were the bonds right. of the Christian life. Right. And to return to or to find a more rational viewpoint. Right. But it is interesting that these instruments of enchantment mm -hmm. made it hard to, to think. think. Mm -hmm. Narnia, she said, Narnia. I have often heard your lordship utter that name in your ravings. Dear prince, you are very sick. There is no land called Narnia. You're very sick. Mm -hmm. And that's true. something that we often get from the atheists, right. too. You have mental illness yeah. if you believe in you, God. You believe in God. There's mm -hmm. no evidence for God. You're sick. Yeah, you're like silly, that. ridiculous. You're irrational. Mm -hmm. That's what the lady is telling them. Exactly. And of course, under the enchantment, you believe that right. instead of really thinking mm -hmm. about it. Right. And I actually, just today, I wrote to one of my students in class that atheism can be one of the best paths to God. Right. As long as you understand it as the seeking mm -hmm. to answer the questions, to truly be rational, mm -hmm. to follow the rationality where it takes you. Right. And that was my path. <laughs> it's like I thought I was being more rational by turning away from God, mm -hmm. only to discover that when yes. you followed the logic, it takes you right back yes. to God. Right. And Lewis himself says that in Mere Christianity. He said, and I'll, I'm just going to paraphrase it here, mm -hmm. sometimes when someone leaves the church, not because they want to spite their parents, but because they really have come to believe that it's not true. They're probably closer to Christ at that point than they ever were at any time previous mm -hmm. because they're really searching for the truth. Right. Ask and it will be open to you. Seek and you will find. Mm -hmm. And that's the message of the evident evidence and faith. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And in this, they're denying the evident. Right. And or the queen is, is specifically is trying to yeah. talk them out of it. Exactly. You What? Narnia? There's mm -hmm. no such thing. They've experienced Narnia, mm -hmm. right? So we've experienced God. Are we going right. to let them talk us out of that? Right, right. You're very sick. There is no land called Narnia. Yes, there is, though, ma'am, said Puddleglum. You see, I happen to have lived there all my life. There is the evident. Right. The pointing of above. Right. The indexicality. Indeed, said the witch. Tell me, I pray you where that country is, and again with the questioning, mm -hmm. as you pointed out. Yeah. Up there, said Puddleglum, stoutly, pointing overhead, I, I don't know exactly where. There's the indexicality of rationality right. that yeah. we talk about over and over again in the evident See? evidence yeah. of faith. It points us to a world beyond what we immediately experience. Right. 
And we talked at length in the evident evidence of faith about that pointing structure. Mm-hmm. That exactly. rationality, by its very necessity, points us outside of this world to something else. Right. And when we're questioned about where it exactly is, yeah. <laughs> well, that's the problem with saying something non-spatial must be located in space. Right. And this is continually what the atheists do right. to us to try to pin us down. How? said the queen, with a kind, soft, musical laugh. Is there a country up among the stones and mortar of the roof? No, said Puddleglum, struggling a little to get his breath. It's in overworld. And and that kind of reminds us of the atheist Sam Harris. He says to Christians, heaven? We we haven't seen heaven. We've, we've looked in outer space. There is no heaven. Right. And this is this is from that new space telescope that they've just yeah. opened up. What, yeah. What's it called? The James Webb Space. The James yeah. Webb Space um, Telescope, yes. And um, Harris made the comment, which is just monumentally stupid and way below Harris's level of intellect, that we haven't found heaven with right. it. Just like what she says, you know, what she just said. Right. Is there a country up among the stones and mortar of the roof? So, no, of course not. Right. The world that we're talking about is not a world of that kind. Right. That's not what's being indicated by rationality. Mm-hmm. And what or where, pray, is this, how do you call it, overworld? Oh, don't be so silly, said Scrub, who was fighting hard against the enchantment of the sweet smell and the thrumming. As if you don't know, it's up above, up where you can see the sky and the sun and the stars. Why, you've been there yourself. We met you there. I cry you mercy, little brother, laughed the witch. You couldn't have heard a lovelier laugh. There's that enchantment, Mm -hmm. the beauty that enchants us. Which reminds me of the line from The Lord of the Rings Mm -hmm. when they're talking about Strider. And they said, he looks foul, but but feels feels fair. fair. And he's (laughs) afraid that things that are evil would look fair, fair, but feel foul. foul. Right. And there's that evident, mm-hmm. right? Trusting what it is we feel and see. Exactly. Um, you couldn't have heard a lovelier laugh. I have no memory of that meeting, but we often meet our friends in strange places when we dream. And unless all dreamed alike, you must not ask them to remember it. That sort of condescension mm-hmm. is another thing that we meet often in our arguments with exactly. atheists. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. Madam, said the prince sternly, I have already told your grace that I am the king's son of Narnia. And shalt be, dear friend, said the witch in a soothing voice, as if she was humoring a child. There's the mother thing again. Shalt be king of many imagined lands in thy fancies. We've been there too, snapped Jill. She was very angry because she could feel enchantment getting hold of her every moment. But of course, the very fact that she could still feel it showed that it had not yet fully worked. And thou art queen of Narnia too, I doubt not, pretty one, said the witch in the same coaxing, half-mocking tone. I'm nothing of the sort, said Jill, stamping her foot. We come from another world. Which is a bad argument for Christians to constantly open up new areas to have to to justify (laughs) when we're discussing with somebody. It's better to stick with one thing. Exactly. Why, this is a prettier game than the other, said the witch. (laughs) 
Tell us, little maid, where is this other world? What ships and chariots go between it and ours? Thrum, thrum, thrum went the strings of the witch's instrument. Jill couldn't remember the names of the things in our world, and this time it didn't come into her head that she was being enchanted. For now the magic was in its full strength, and of course the more enchanted you get, the more certain you feel that you are not enchanted mm-hmm. at all. Right. And there's and that notion of certainty. Right. That is our enemy, whether Christian or atheist. Right. 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 And this is you the s- point that I made throughout the Christian atheists from start to right. finish so far, that we are not certain. We never stand in certainty. Mm-hmm. Even now, as a Christian, I say to myself, am I certain there's a God? No, I'm not certain, but I believe it. Right. And from that, I can take knowledge and understanding Mm -hmm. and believe in God and move forward on that belief. But it's still always belief because as limited human beings, we are fundamentally, essentially ignorant creatures. Right. And it's that way on both sides, both sides of the looking glass. Right. And that's that's the fundamental flaw Mm -hmm. in scientism. Right. And atheism. Mm-hmm. They tend to think they've got it sewn up. Right. They have the answers and they don't lo- need to look any further. Exactly. But certainty is always an enchantment. Mm-hmm. She found herself saying, at the, and at the moment it was a relief to say, no, I suppose that other world must be all a dream. And it is a relief to say that when you yeah. say it. Yes, it is all a dream, said the witch always thrumming. Yes, all a dream, said Jill. There never was such a world, said the witch. No, said Jill and Scrub, never was such a world. There was never any world but mine, said the witch. Mm-hmm. And that is the Marxist. Right. The Hegelian. That's right. Sorry, mm-hmm. I had to say it. I know. I. That's a good place but to put it. But that is the Hegelian. That's the certainty that the world that we create in our minds is the reality. Mm -hmm. And we're going to make that real Mm -hmm. because we believe it. Although they don't even admit that they believe it. They pretend that they are revealing a world that they've created. Mm -hmm. They believe, and they deny that they're believing. They believe in the world that their rationality has constructed for them. Just like many people born men are now believing themselves women, women and vice versa. Mm-hmm. But reality says something different. And that's where we go back to the evident. Right. That's meant to correct our thinking about things. There was never any world but mine, said the witch. There never was any world but yours, said they. And then we get to the crux of all of this. Mm-hmm. Puddleglum was still fighting hard. <laughs> I don't know rightly what you all mean by a world, he said, talking like a man who hasn't enough air. But you can play that fiddle till your fingers drop off, and still you won't make me forget Narnia, and the whole overworld, too. We'll never see it again, I shouldn't wonder. You may have blotted it out and turned it dark like this, for all I know. And there's there's the pessimism of the marsh wiggle. (laughs) I was just thinking that. Nothing more likely, but I know I was there once. Mm -hmm. And that's the certainty, not of rationality, but the certainty of experience, of the evidence. I've seen the sky full of stars. I've seen the sun coming up out of the sea of a morning and sinking behind the mountains at night. 
and I've seen him up in the midday sky when I couldn't look at him for brightness. And again, there's that appeal to the evident. Puddleglum's words had a rousing effect. The other three all breathed again and looked at one another like people newly awake. And that there is the reason for the Christian atheist. Right. I want to point right. people back to the evidence. To the truth. Right. And mm-hmm. people have been looking to God right. en masse for all of human history. The idea that atheism has a big following has never been true. Right. Because the vast majority of humankind believe in right. a God. Right. Believe in a higher reality. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, that at least is some evidence that there's something more right. that, as Hamlet said to Horatio, that there's something more than your philosophy mm-hmm. is telling you. Right. Why, there it is, cried the prince. Of course, the blessing of Aslan upon this honest marsh wiggle. We have all been dreaming these last few minutes. How could we have forgotten it? Of course, we've all seen the sun. By Jove, so we have, said Scrub. Good for you, Puddleglum. You're the only one of us with any sense, I do believe. And notice they all gather. They all rally round this notion of the evident. Right. But the queen's not done. No. (laughs) Then came the witch's voice, cooing softly like the voice of a wood pigeon from the high elms in an old garden at three o'clock in the middle of a sleepy summer afternoon. That <laughs> seems so flowery specific, for that. It does. But it seems very specific. Right. Lewis wants to paint this mm-hmm. as very enchanting, very right. lovely. Right. Deceptively so. Yeah. But it's almost as if he's had that experience before or it's something. It's like he's experienced it himself. <laughs> yes, the enchantment. And it said, What is this sun that you all speak of? Do you mean anything by the word? Yes, we jolly well do, said Scrub. And again with the question. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me what it's like? asked the witch. Thrum, thrum, thrum went the strings. Please it, your grace, said the prince, very coldly and politely. You see that lamp? It is round and yellow and gives light to the whole room and hangeth moreover from the roof. Now that thing which we call the sun is like the lamp, only far greater and brighter. It giveth light to the whole overworld and hangeth in the sky. And you cannot help but see here the arguments of the Christian Mm-hmm. trying to make clear what it is they mean right. by a transcendent reality right. to others who refuse to accept it. Mm-hmm. And the witch's response is classic. Yeah. Hangeth from what, my lord? asked the witch. And then, while they were all still thinking how to answer her, she added with another of her soft, silver laughs, <laughs> You see? When you try to think out clearly what this sun must be, you cannot tell me. You can only tell me it is like the lamp. Your sun is a dream, and there is nothing in that dream that was not copied from the lamp. The lamp is the real thing. The sun is but a tale, a children's story. 
And here again, we have the two sides of the looking glass. You have the hyper-rational explanation that fits all the facts by explaining them, but reducing experience to what is merely explicable in terms of the real. Mm -hmm, Exactly. And so she shoots apart their analogy. But when you're talking about something that is beyond direct immediate experience, how else can you talk about it other than by analogy? Because no one directly experiences God Mm -hmm. or the transcendent realm. And so the only way we can talk about it is through analogy. Right. But all analogies necessarily break down. Break down. And exactly. the witch exploits that. Right. And so there's um the two sides. Everything Christian is a copy of what is real in this world. Right. Or everything in this world is a copy of, of what is real beyond this world. What, right. Of what is really real. Right. And if we remember what God said to Moses, mm-hmm. right? I am sent you. Right. The founder of being, being itself. The, the foundation, the structure of being is mm-hmm. God. And mm-hmm. God is transcendent. He's beyond this world. And therefore, everything that is in being around us is right. merely indicating a higher, more real being. Right. And those are the two visions. We can accept the one or we can accept the other. Right. But both sides are faith. Both sides of the looking glass, reco- looking glass require us to believe a metaphysical vision of reality. I am a Christian, with the searching and skeptical mind of an atheist. I don't want to believe anything that isn't true. I know both sides of the looking glass, and I know them with open eyes. I choose Christ's side. I invite you to join me from wherever you stand before the looking glass. That's this week's episode. Thanks for listening, and remember... You can have your religious cake and eat it, too. You can have reason, respect for science, a 21st century worldview, and be a Christian.